Your gray sheet is our new hymn, Lutheran hymnal, hymn 548. It says, uh, George Negidus uh, is actually used uh, not, not long after the Reformation, often sung by the soldiers as they were uh, uh, in the morning preparing for for battle. Um, Gustav Adolson uh, used it. It says it's based on Psalm 118, verse 1. Obviously, it's a morning hymn of praise. My inmost heart now raises, My inmost heart now raises. in this fair morning hour. My inmost heart now raises in this fair morning hour. My inmost heart now raises in this fair morning hour. A song of thankful praises. A song of thankful praises. To thine almighty power. To thine almighty power. A song of thankful praises to thine almighty power. A song of thankful praises. So, get up in the morning, what does it say? Already at the early morning hour, we ought to raise up our inmost heart, uh, referring to creating me a new heart, that inmost heart, our soul, that we might give God a song, that we might sing uh, to him, maybe as uh, the birds begin their day. It's a new song. We then have a song. What kind of song? A song that praises God for all he's done. More than that, even a song of thankfulness for the gifts that we have received and uh, uh, have sh been showered upon us and ones that we don't deserve. And so the one who is almighty, who has all power, provides all things, look what he has done. Uh, for us and giving us uh, this new day. O God, upon thy throne, O God, upon thy throne, to honor and adore thee, to honor and adore thee, I bring my praise before thee, I bring my praise before thee, through Christ thine only Son, through Christ thine only Son. So speaks about God upon his throne, to God upon thy throne. Um, when we speak about a, a throne, what are we recalling? He's a king. In fact, we already said he's a king of kings. Um, a king sits on a throne. This is the king's throne, but over other kings, so not just equal to, to others. What else? Sovereignty. Okay, sovereignty. Um, you know, there are times in which, um, oh, the one song, Sovereign Lord, I can't remember. Um, sovereign, that who is all alone and over all things. Um, it's not yet uh, gospel or, or good news yet. If we refer to him as being sovereign, um, the Calvinists are big on referring to God as, as sovereign above all and, and you know, he answers to no one, whatever he does. Um, or if you're thinking of the um, children's Sunday school, you know, my God is an awesome God, meaning he's big and he's great and he's... But that doesn't yet translate to someone who's big and great and awesome may very well smash me like a little bug. It 
Yeah, it doesn't tell it yet. In, I mean, that is part of his awesomeness, is it not? It, it is. It doesn't make it clear to us. Well, here's the thing. Until he is sovereign, awesome, great, and he uses it for my benefit, until that happens, he's just great and I'm a rotten sinner. Jane? Ruling all things and good is sure. Ah. The scriptures speak of him as being over all things. In fact, when they talk about Jesus ascending to the throne, and I guess we'll get to that as well, um, it's not to deny the sovereign, he is. Um, but to praise him for simply that, it's when his sovereignty then is for my good. So here, I've got, O oh God, upon thy throne, before, here in the line before, to thine almighty power. Yep, he's got kingdom, the power, the glory, he's almighty, his sovereignty, he's upon the throne. But as Jane says, the scriptures tell us that he uses that for the good of his church, and that would be for the believers. And so it says things like, uh, God works out all things for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, kind of the Romans 8.28, where we kind of go, whoa, the awesome God is working on, on my behalf. Now, when we begin our song, obviously, I would say connected with thankfulness and praise, probably is his working on our behalf. We are going to give him honor. He's due all honor. We do wish to adore. That includes a love for the one and for who he is and what he has done. Um, I bring my praise before thee, and then it hits it. Through Christ, thine only son. Now, there's the gospel. Now we're getting to, aha, what did the one true almighty God do? Through thine only begotten Son. What did he do? Ah, he's sending his Son. He's dying for our sins. He is uh, showering us with gifts. That's where we get. It gets to it in the rest. I, I don't want to judge it just on one, one stanza. But, um, but it does uh, begin to kind of put us together with what are we doing? The one who has almighty power did something through his only Son. Pastor? Very good, very good. Um, two things. One, we've got one God, and he's over all things. Do we have to worry that our God is, well, who, which God do we go to now? Which one's in control? Which one's figured this out? And I, they're fighting amongst themselves. No, 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 we've got one God. He's over all things. Um, it's not even the yin-yang. It's not one fighting the other, and we never know what's going to happen. No, we know who's going to win. One God, he's on the throne. More than that, Pastor Rude says, we know where to find him. He has given us his name. He has promised to be there for us. Uh, and so that uh, assures us even more. This is why we raise our song of thankful praises, a song of thankful praises to thine almighty power. All right, hymn 548. We'll do stanza number one. My inmost heart now raises in this fair morning hour a song of thankful praises to thine almighty power. O God, upon thy throne to honor and adore 
Tonight in our catechism, we're at the table of duties. We've gone through, well, we've gone through the government and we've gone through the church and we've dealt with the home, uh, dealing with fathers and mothers, uh, husbands, wives, parents and children. We're on to workers, workers of all kinds and to employers and supervisors. We tend, um, and, and it was included in Luther's table of duties, but um, were there those? Yes, but to say that that was a separate sphere and separate from, probably was not thought in that terms. It was probably included simply under that third sphere of the, of the home. Uh, most people were, were farmers taking care of their own uh, crops. Um, they may have worked for another farm or something like that, but um, we tend to talk about, well, I've got my work life, I go to work and I got my family life, this one's nine to five, it is regular, and then I come home. Uh, we separate that way. They didn't think so much in those terms. That, that's not right or wrong, um, but uh, how about in this sphere uh, of work? We'll take a look at Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. To workers of all kinds, repeat after me. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. With respect and fear. With respect and fear. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. And with sincerity of heart. And with sincerity of heart. Just as you would obey Christ. Just as you would obey Christ. So as we start off, we start off with this relationship. They do it in terms of slave and masters. Uh, obviously, that kind of work relationship is uh, uh, taken to its utmost. You might say we are to give our employer either a job which they which we have been tasked to do. Um, you know, I want you to come and shingle my roof. All right, well that needs to happen. Or it may be that you have been tasked with certain hours. You are to watch over the children from one o'clock till five o'clock. Um, it doesn't matter what that takes, but that's those are the that's the time frame that has been given. What are we to do? Well, it says we are to obey. That is, we are to consider those who have been placed over us in this work environment, uh, that we respect their position of authority over us uh, with respect and fear. And then it goes on to say with sincerity of heart, that we might not just do this in an underhanded way, uh, pretending to, here's the boss, oh yes, I like you, I like you, and then whenever he's gone, you talk with your fellow workers, he's really a jerk, I never liked him, uh, um, and you talk behind his back. Uh, no, with sincerity of heart, that we might be genuine, and that we might respect uh, what it is, uh, our position, where we have been placed. Why? Well, it says here, just as you would obey Christ, he who is considered our Lord and Master, so also we would wish to be a good employee. Next part. Obey them, obey them. not only to win their favor, when their eye is on you, Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you. But like slaves of Christ. But like slaves of Christ. Doing the will of God from your heart. Doing the will of God from your heart. What does God desire? What's the will of God? The will of God is that we might be a good employee, that we might do what has been given us to do. Um, not just as a people pleaser, 
but that they might know. No, this is someone uh, who generally takes his Christianity seriously. This is someone who wishes to do what is right, whether the boss is watching or the boss is not watching. Um, I wish to be considered faithful. I wish to be someone who follows and does a good job. Um, that is my concern. I want to do the will of God, and again, it is from my heart, which would lead me then uh, to behave in this way as an employee. Next part, serve wholeheartedly. As if you were serving the Lord, not men. As if you were serving the Lord, not men. So, our Lord, we may not see him, but the way that we treat, and we can go back to other, the way that we treat our governing authorities, the way in which we treat our parents, the way in which we treat our pastor, the way in which we treat our employee, well, this is the way in which we serve our Lord, by serving our Lord, by treating them in a proper and a right way. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Jesus has a, a passage that we usually use at the end of the church year. Uh, when you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. This connection of doing it as if it were the Lord. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone. For whatever good he does. For whatever good he does. Whether he is slave or free. Whether he is slave or free. Ooh, rewards. I didn't know Lutherans could talk about rewards. Hmm. Usually, we don't. But here, because you know, I guess you know this, huh? Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone. Hmm. So, you are to serve your employer, do what is right, whether he's watching or not. Why? Because the Lord will reward. What is a reward? going to do? It's a payment or a benefit given in response to your whatever you put in towards it. Yeah, so there is a service, there is an act, there is something that is done, and then there is a, we say a payment if you will, but it's, you know, when we say a reward, hey listen, this is, this is what is given for, for, for doing that. Um, and so we say, aha, there are, there are rewards that go with this. There are benefits uh, for it. Um, hmm. So, what kind of rewards do you think you get for being a good employee? Okay, maybe more respect in the workplace. Maybe it translates. The fourth command a little bit. You know, honor your father and your mother that you might live long in the world. You know, your days might be long. And so this is the place where the Lord's promising you something for doing something. He is. Very good. Um, I think that could be included as well. Absolutely. Um, and so the Lord provides. He maybe benefits, maybe respect, maybe the peace that comes in the workplace. Um, uh, therefore, doing a job well, I'm going to promote you, give you a better job. All right. Um, how about the reward? How about the Lord gives you eternal life for being a good employee? Probably not, Mark says. Now, Mark, you were big on this reward, and now I'm, I'm adding some good rewards here? Well, you don't want them. You know, I, we've been reading the Book of Concord here, talking about all these things that, that works don't do, and 
<laughs> that's one of them it doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. That's because that's one of the works we can't do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Absolutely. And, and so, with the law, we cannot keep it. We cannot keep it perfectly. That particular, yes. Reward, no. Um, absolutely not. Um, but to say that, no. In that realm, and, and the normal way that we would talk would say, in we're talking in the realm of justification. We're talking salvation, eternal life, and whatever. The only reward, <laughs> it comes from the merit of Jesus Christ. He has won the victory for us. And thus, we get his crown of life. In justification, we don't talk about us earning rewards. Nope, not at all. Having been saved, though, and being made a child of God, we will, in the terms of our sanctification, where God is working on us, hmm, in justification, he gives us that which is outside of us, Christ's righteousness. In sanctification, he's working the righteousness in us. He's changing our heart. He's changing our actions. He's changing our life. In this realm, we will talk about rewards, and we talk about them in terms of we have a heavenly father who not only has he given us just again, given us life, given us all of this, he wants us to lead a righteous life. In fact, he'll even encourage it. And so he gives an additive incentive. If it's not enough, thankfulness and praise to God, sometimes he even puts a reward in there that encourages us even more concerning it. So, you're going to ask Jonathan, hmm, tell me about uh, living in, in the Henson house. And, and he says, well, I, I, I earned it. I mow the lawn. Therefore, I get to live in the house. Is that right? No. He's already at Henson. He's already in the house. Does he mow the lawn? Yeah, that's given him to do. Here, yes, he's to mow the lawn, right? You know what? Sometimes I haven't given $5 for mowing the lawn, and I wouldn't have to, right? Um, but that might be an added incentive to, to do it. That's what the Lord does. Um, he provides. So here, what do we have? Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone. Hmm, I ought to know this. You know what? The Lord, he takes care of, and he provides. Sometimes, you're right, it becomes some, uh, uh, like Mark said, it may be an extra pay. It may be, sometimes it's simply peace in the workplace. But you know what? If there is that which is done good, nothing is left. It's not like somehow, you, all of a sudden, oh, God owes me one. God always gives more than we ever deserve. Right, exactly. You're exactly right. So, even of those who, well, let's say they don't do it out of thankfulness and praise because they believe in Christ, you know what? The Lord is still encouraging them to, well, to be a good employee. I, I think you're absolutely right. God, just as he uh, sends his son both upon the wicked and the good and provides daily bread for everyone, yeah, It is. Now, these things apply to unbelievers, but that does not mean that the reward of eternal life comes from doing what they have to do. That, 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 that's a completely different thing. A complete, exactly. Because when you look at verse 8, reward everyone for what he does, well, whatever good he does, well, only the Christian can do good. Can do. And so I think, absolutely, we do make a distinction between that which is simply external, good, it, it means good to do this, whether you believe or not, and that which is done from the heart. 
Here, in the whole context, you obviously have that which is done wholeheartedly, that which is done through Christ. Um, but, yeah, the Lord does provide, and he does take care, and he rewards even unbelievers um, that they might stay on that externally good way. That's Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. We move on to employers and supervisors. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. So, you're the master, you're the employer, you're the one who's over them. What should you do? You ought to be a good master, a good employer. You ought to be someone who uh, uh, respects those, what they've done. I'm not going to ask them uh, uh, to, to work two hours and pay them one. Uh, no, that wouldn't be right. Um, I'm not going to ask them to lie or cheat on my behalf so that my business might get ahead. Absolutely not. I want them to follow the rules. Um, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. What am I going to do? I am going to serve as a master as if I were, well, as if the employee were my Lord. Jesus, I want to treat him well. Um, so yes, do not threaten them. Since you, know Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Favoritism is to treat people different. Um, you want to treat people alike. You want to have not favoritism. Um, yes, someone who is your employee, there are certain things that they are to do, but you want to treat them in a respectful way. You want to treat them uh, in the same way that the employee is treating an employer, uh, back and forth. Um, in this way, we do what is right and good. Uh, working a day's wage, uh, a day's work for a day's wage, or as the employer paying a day's wage for a day's work. Um, that there might be well, that which is fair uh, concerning these things. It's Ephesians 6. The top one was 5 through 8. The bottom one is verse 9. Questions? All right. Let me light the candles. We'll begin. Oh, Lord, open my lips. And my Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. And following the reading, we'll do the responsory, the Easter responsory, page 227. John 14, I begin with verse 23. Actually, 22 is the introduction. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Here ends the reading. Page 227. Christ being raised from the dead, he will never die again. There has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. There has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Our hymn, The Gray Sheet, My Inmost Heart Now Raises. My inmost heart now raises in this fair morning hour a song of thankful praises to thine almighty power. O God, upon thy throne to honor and adore thee, I bring I praise before thee through Christ thine only Son. For thou hast made as rewarded all perils of the night. From every harm has guarded my soul till morning light. To thee I humbly cry, O Savior, have compassion and pardon my transgression. Have mercy, Lord Most High, and shield me from all evil, O gracious God, this day. From sin and from the devil, from shame and from dismay, from fire's consuming breath, from water's devastation, from needless consternation, from people's sudden death. Let not thine angel lead me while here on earth I stay. Let Satan's arts deceive me and lead my soul astray. Then keep thine angel near at night and each new morrow. Bless soul and body sorrow, and 
trust me, dear. God shall do my advising, who smite with wisdom blends. May he bless rest and rising, my efforts means and ends. To God forever blessed will I with mine confide me and willing let him guide me as seemeth to him best. Amen, I say not fearing that God rejects my prayer. I doubt not he is hearing and grants me his care. Thus I go on my way and do not look behind me, but ply the task assigned me. God's help shall be my say. Amen. All right, we've been going through John, John 16, a couple Wednesdays, and John 15. Now we're at John 14. We're actually still on Monday, Thursday, and Jesus' teachings. But, ooh, we are getting ready for this coming Sunday. It's time for a change. The altar is going to go red. What Sunday's coming up? Pentecost. Woo! Now we're finally going to have some Holy Spirit stuff. Huh? I saw a video just, just today. Some guy was, uh, uh, looked like, I thought they were out going to do calisthenics or something like that. There was some preacher out there, and, and I don't know what he did. He raised his hands and rang a cowbell or something like that. And all of a sudden, all the people fell down and started shaking, whatever. It was the Holy Spirit. Huh. Hmm. Do you think we're going to talk about that tonight? It's Pentecost. <laughs> the Holy Spirit right here. What's kind of noticeable about this? They don't do that. It doesn't mention the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, not, not in this section right here. I wonder why. Well, let's take a look, huh? All right. I include with the italics, it's not actually in the one-year lectionary. It normally starts with verse 23, but Judas' question evokes Jesus' answer. Jesus is teaching that night. Now, you might know this is Monday, Thursday. What's going to happen at some point during the night? Judas Iscariot's going to betray him. betray him. Yep, he's going to get up from the table, and he's going to go. Uh, he's going to go get the uh, soldiers, and by the time they get to the garden, uh, he's going to have the soldiers and bring them out. He knows where Jesus is going to go after this. So that's, that's, uh, that's Judas Iscariot. This one's not Judas Iscariot, though, not the one who betrayed him. Um, this is another Judas, sometimes goes by another name. But he's also got a wrong idea. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Huh, Jesus, you're showing yourself, you're revealing yourself to us. But... You need to go out and show yourself to the world. That's what needs to happen. Hmm. What does Jesus think of that? How would he show himself to the world? What would he do? Mark? Through the word. Huh? Through the word. Not if he's going to show the world. Oh, through the world. I'm sorry. Through the world? If he was going to do do, start himself with the world, it'd be like, call down the legions of angels and you know, like, throw the Romans out and so on. Yeah! So, that's, that's part of the plan here. 
you got it. So Judas, not Iscariot, is saying, come on, Jesus. You know, I mean, we knew about your turning the water into wine, but really, you know, even the master of the house didn't know. Come on, let them all know who you really are. Huh? Go out and, and put on your cape and fly around the city a couple times and let everybody know. That's what he's expecting. That's what he's wanting. Hmm. 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And then, when he gets to verse 24, He who does not love me does not keep my words. All right, Mark, now tell me about the word. Huh. That's something we can't do in the first place, which is oh. the first thing that gets me looking at that, okay? Hmm. And, you know, he does not love me, does not keep my word, but we don't. So the only way we're keeping, going to be able to keep the word is through something he's not talking about yet, because oh. the only way we keep the word is through, through faith, is because of him, right? Okay. So we got a little, well, we got a little trouble with so this. this. is going to be really obscure to this poor guy. Oh, wow, we got to figure out exactly what this is. Karen, what are you thinking? He is talking to them. It's in contrast to what Judas wanted him to do. Judas wanted the big miracles, and Jesus says, They're not going to. Cecil, what do you think? Okay, so Jesus is teaching God's word. Right, he's got the Father's word. He said, the word I give you, it's not my own, it comes from the Father. So it's not just, I'm not just making this up. What the Father says and what I say, perfectly agree. We say the same, same stuff. Karen? What if he's saying another miracle's not going to make him believe? He is saying that. Why not? Jane? So, in his words, has he let them know who he is? Yes. Absolutely. Has he told them, you know, that he is the one who has come? Has he explained to them, I am the good shepherd? I am the light of the world. Um, he's told them about um, uh, someone who lays down his life for his friends. Uh, the greatest love is that. I, Jesus has been telling and has he just been telling the disciples? No. He's been preaching to over 5,000. He's been preaching. He's been telling them. They know. But Judas says, no, no, no. If you show yourself to them. They had the word, and they, and they didn't believe from the word. So when you add miracles, when you do this, Cecil, they had the word from the Heavenly Father. Is this an ineffective word? No, this is from the Father. Um, this is the Father's word. This is God's word, and he's telling them the truth. So what happens? Why don't people believe? Well, I, the other part we said was adding a miracle is not, not going to get them to believe. Right. Where does faith come from? And how does God give it? Through the word. Right. And they've heard the word. They haven't got faith yet. Yeah. Yeah. So you tell me you're thirsty. And I say, great. I, I got some water for you right over here. And you keep sitting there. And I go, Mark, right over here. You can have some water right And you say, I'm not going over there. I want, but I'm thirsty. I'd like some water. I go, right over here. You, you go to the back of the train. I go, no, no, over. What happened? God has his word and said, here I am creating faith right here in the word. And they're going, don't want it. Won't listen to it.
right. So the connection being God wants to work through his means and the means is his word. When you won't go to where his means is, you can't be a believer. That's it. There are those who do not keep his word. They don't want nothing to do with the word. Then there are those who go to where the word is that keep the word. Um, we have to be careful with, with this. I think you illustrated already. Um, we noted the distinction between law and gospel. The law tells us what to do, and we can't do it, and so we fail. And we say, yeah, in that sense, I broke the word. I broke the commandments. I've, I've not kept it. Um, uh, nevertheless, when Jesus is speaking in this particular passage, when he's talking about keeping the word, he's talking about keeping the teaching that Jesus is giving, holding on to the word. In other words, I hear the word and I hold on to it. If I give you the word that points out your sin, you don't reject it. You say, okay. That word points out my sin, I, I'm going to hold on to that. That says I'm a sinner. Got it. Then I give you the word that says Jesus died for you, and you say, I'm going to keep that word, because that trumps the other one. Ah, I got it. I'm going to keep the word. That is, I want to be hearing the word. I want to be remembering the word. I'm going to behold. I, everything in there is true. Um, and so when he describes, if anyone loves me, that's the description of a believer someone who loves Jesus, what does he do? He will keep my word. Those two go together. The person who hears and keeps the word, we might say observes it, trusts in it, both long gospel, yes, yes, is the one who loves Jesus. You can't say, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. I don't hear the word. Um, I don't follow the word. Uh, I do what I want regards sexuality. I do what I want regards stealing, murder, my own uh, uh, coveting of stuff. I do what I want. No, no, no. If you love Jesus, that person keeps the word. These go together. That, that, those are, if you, next part, he who does not love me does not keep my words. Are there people who love Jesus and don't keep the word? No. Are there people who don't love Jesus and keep the word? No. If you don't love him, you don't keep the word. If you love him, you keep the word. Those are the only two options. Uh, and so he describes it, but he says even more concerning the believer. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and make our home with him. My Father will love him. What is that all about? My Father will love him. The one who loves Jesus and keeps his word, keeps Jesus' word, what is, my father will love him. That's salvation. Yeah, that's salvation. Uh, this, you, know, you are beloved. One who is loved of my heaven, blessed of my father, loved of my father, come and take the inheritance. I also think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, he who does my word. No. He's right. Because keeping his word means that when his word speaks of law, it brings us to repentance. And when we're brought to repentance, the gospel brings us back to faith. Right. So keeping the word and doing the word are two completely different things. One of them we do, the other one we don't. We don't do. Very good. Good distinction. Do and keep. Um, I'm pretty sure that the keep in this one is the word terao in the uh, Greek. Um, which involves, sometimes it's translated observe, keep, grab onto, not so much as in do or accomplish kind of thing. All right, so first of all, if he loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. That's salvation. And we will come to him. When does that happen? We will come to him. When does, 
the Father and Jesus come to us? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And what now? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's going to be in the next one. It's close. Yeah, you can't separate. I know. Yes, I know. I'm not, and I'm not trying to exclude. But he is talking about we, and he just talked about the Father. So um, often the Holy Spirit is a part of this whole thing, but he's what we call the silent person of the Trinity. He often doesn't, uh, we, we don't hear about him working. He's working, of course. In the word, here he is. We will come to him. And here is the coming. He's continually coming to us. And finally, we will make our home with him. And I think that is that mystical indwelling of the Holy Spirit in which we say not only does God just give us, God does give us his gifts, but he also gives us his Holy Spirit himself. Right, he's not, yes, it, it, this is not just someone lecturing us from a distance, right? Is that? Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, he's there, he's, he's always with us, he's present with us. Right, right, always, always. And yet, in this one, I think he is distinguishing what? The person who believes has salvation, we come to him, and again, why is he emphasizing this, we come to him? Because right now Jesus is standing there with him and he's getting ready to say, I'm going away to the Father. And they're thinking, you're messing up the relationship. I keep talking about him abandoning them. But I mean, think about, what? You're not going to be here, you're not going to be here. Jane, what he's saying is, he says, you know, when we come to you, and this is the coming of the word right now, the relationship, by his going away, it gets better. Before, it was just Jesus walking around with 12 guys. Now it is... Jesus being with us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit being with us through the word, through the sacrament, because we believe, and his coming to make his home with us. In, in this section, isn't Jesus explaining to them how they're going to get by after the crucifixion? Right. Right. That's, and it, then, then the Holy Spirit comes in, and, and it's Matthew 28 becomes absolutely clear this is what it's all about the word and sacrament. Baptizing and teaching, I will be with you always. Um, when Pastor Rune hits it on the head, what does he say? Isn't this about him getting them ready for it, quote, the next stage, the, the new relationship, what's coming? When Jesus says, let me jump on ahead to kind of emphasize that point. When it gets down to the bottom, verse 28, you have heard me say to you, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. Now we know what that is. That is his suffering, dying, rising, I mean, uh, um, his coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. Great. You're going to take our sins away. You sh I, sh I should have been happy that you're doing that because I said I'm going to the Father. And then he says, for my Father is greater than I. Now, hmm, we've studied about the Trinity, and we kind of go, can Jesus say that? The Father's greater than I? You can argue with him. <laughs> you can argue with him, right. In what sense does, can he say this? In respect to his human nature. In respect to his human nature. As he is the second person of the Trinity, Son of God, he's equal to the Father and the Holy Spirit, Absolutely. But as both true God and true man, as regards his manhood, he can say the Father is greater. Absolutely, according to his manhood. Why, though, does Jesus say, and again, we're, we know he's not saying, you know, in regards to the other, but why would Jesus let them know that in what sense is the Father, well, that's not quite the right answer, question either, but in what sense is the Father greater than Jesus, and why would he say that? Pastor Rune said, he's getting us ready for what? Yes! 
Yes. I don't even think I worded that question right, and you have the right answer. Yes. Even a blind pig. What is he letting them know? The relationship that they have right now, at least as we talk about his human nature, you know, when he's here with John, he's not over there with James. I mean, it, it ain't, and, he, and I'm, it's lim, there is a limit. I mean, he, he only makes use of his divine nature insofar as he, you know, will do a miracle or he will do whatever. But he's telling them, listen, once I accomplish your salvation, the Father who is greater than I, I'm going to the right hand to sit at his right hand. And therefore, from that point on, Karen says, no longer will his humanity be limited. He can be present with us, true God and true man, in the word, in our hearts, in Lord's Supper, in, you know, whoa. So he's letting them know, yes, there's not going to limit anymore. It's not going to, you, you have to understand, this is going to be even better than before. So they needed to know it over and over and over. They needed to be told. They needed to, and so that's why he says to them, listen, I'm going, ah. Um, so let's go walk back just a little bit. Verse 25, I've spoken these things while present with you. Oh, wait a minute. Verse 26, it does mention the helper, the Holy Spirit. We've got Pentecost coming up. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Ah, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to make you fall down on the ground and wiggle like worms. What kind of crazy stuff is this? I mean, I, in fact, what do I find with the Holy Spirit? I find that when it says here what? The Holy Spirit is going to teach you. How does he do that? Through the word. So that you will bring to remembrance what? The things I told you. That would be Jesus words. Wherever the word is, I always tell you, that's where the Holy Spirit is working. So when we get to Pentecost, it's all about the Holy Spirit working through the word. Our stained glass window has Peter on the day of Pentecost clutching the word and speaking out about Jesus. It's got the cross that, that's kind of etched in that thing. That's what Pentecost is all about. What do we find when most people today, crazy Christians, Talk about the Holy Spirit. It's about leaving the word behind and going on to something else. The Holy Spirit is doing something crazy and different. That's not the way this talks. It doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, now, the words I got from the Father, we all talk the same, but the Holy Spirit, he's going to do some crazy things with you guys. No, he says, he's going to teach you the word. That's what he's going to do. Um, if you were love me, you would rejoice. Ah, okay, so he will teach you. He'll bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. He's not going to tell us stuff not in the word. He's not going to tell us uh, uh, things that are not there. Oh, I didn't tell you that, the, that Peter is, is the new pope. Um, I for, oh, I forgot to tell you about how Mary got assumed up into heaven. He's going to tell us other... No, he's not going to do that. Um, uh, you think just the Pentecostals are like Holy Spirit crazy. The Roman Catholic Church, you know, thinks that the Holy Spirit whispers in the Pope's ear. This, this it doesn't, they don't hold to the word. They just say, he established the, the episcopacy, the, the, the pastoral office and whatever we say. No, not at all. Um, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Huh. Peace, not a subjectiveness, not a, not a just, you know, I'm feeling peace or I got whatever. He says, I got this peace and I can give it. I can give you my peace. Here it is. What peace is he going to give us? Forgiveness. The peace that comes to having a God. Or, or as, and this one said, I know the hymn. It said, I know that God's not going to reject my prayer. I've got peace. Uh, my sins are forgiven. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's taking the word and giving us that, that peace. Um, Jesus, as he gets towards the end of this, he says, I'm going to go to 
uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And I, we got to get going here pretty soon. Why? Well, because the ruler of this world is coming. And he wants to crucify me. He's going to bring, the devil's going to get all these people up against me. They're going to lock me up. They're going to do this. And he says, I got to go meet him. He says, not that he's got anything in me, not that he has anything over on me, like somehow I'm being forced to go. No. What does he say? I love the Father. I love the Father. And the Father what? Wants me to suffer and die. So therefore, as the Father commanded me, I'm going to do it just as he commanded. Mark, there you have the doing. Who can do it? Jesus. Pastor Rune says, if it's the doing, we got Jesus. The keeping, well, that's, that's to us. We're going to keep what he has given us. Questions? Um, that is Ephesians. Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control. All of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. This one, though, goes even further. It says, we're going to dwell with you. Not just give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit himself is going to live with you. Oh, that, that, that's even more. Mark. Yeah, and this is as we've always been taught. The Holy Spirit points toward Christ. Yes. It's not about him off doing some other great thing on his own. Right. Exactly. All right. For our prayers this evening, uh, we're going to use page 273. Um, in your hymnal, there are a couple. There's a responsive prayer one and a responsive prayer two. Responsive prayer two is often used in the evening. Uh, one in the morning. Uh, you, there, there are several orders. There's not one particular one, but you could use this at, at home as well. Um, and I thought we ought to use it from time to time. So if you'll stand, page 273. We'll follow responsive prayer two to conclude our service. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Show us your unfailing love, O Lord. May your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your saints sing. I will grant peace in the land, and no one will make you afraid. Lord, keep this nation under your care, and guide us in the way of justice and truth. May your ways be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. The needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, our merciful Father, who taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending to them the light of your Holy Spirit, bring us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, 
one God, now and forever. Amen. We give thanks to you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have this day so graciously protected us. We beg you to forgive us all our sins and the wrong which we have done. By your great mercy, defend us from all the perils and dangers of this night. Into your hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let your holy angels have charge of us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.